Welcome to another edition of Like It Is. I'm extremely excited about this next guest, although I have a feeling that we'll stir up some conversation. Hopefully that conversation uh, will be humane and civil and respectful. I don't always feel that that's the case anymore, but I'm going to go ahead and welcome her in. Haley Davidson, most importantly, a human being, a woman, but also adjectives that describe you. Transgender, you're a golfer, uh, you're an athlete. Thanks for being here. Awesome. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate you reaching out to me months ago and we've been able to connect. It's hard for me to actually believe and to admit this, uh, but you're only the second transgender person I've ever met in my life. And I think that that's part of the stigma around what you have to go through. And we're going to dive in deeply uh, with that. But before we do, I'm just curious, when did you start having sort of these ideas of gender identity with you going on in your head? Yeah. So um, let's think like third grade. So however old you are, what, nine or 10 um, started having an inkling of, well, of what I thought was some weird feelings. Obviously the word trans or transgender wasn't really out much. I mean, I didn't even know that word existed. Um, so I started having some kind of different feelings then because I had never heard of it. It was never talked about. I assumed I was the only one. So yeah, kind of like said between nine and 10 and I did my all to kind of, as soon as I knew something was going on, I, you know, did my all to hide that for as long as I could. So. So when you're that young, do you have this discussion with, with your friends, with your family? What did you do? <laughs> no. So where I grew up in Virginia was more of like, a what's a better term? It was a little more rural, um, up in the mountains, like more of a hunting life. Um, just a little more conservative of a lifestyle. So, I mean, my family was never one to up and open about like feelings in general, regardless of, you know, them just being like normal feelings or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but I wouldn't say I ever had a, a friend I felt close enough with or anything at the time where I could share these things. And again, because I had never heard of it, I just assumed I was the only one like this because of the kind of thoughts they were. It's not something you really want to share with someone because, I mean, especially you're around that age where, like, for me, I grew up a little heavier set of a kid. So, you know, there was like bullying anyway. So the last thing I wanted to do was go and open up about something even I knew was different, you know, and kind of invite more of that, you know. So I, as soon as that came up, I just tried to hide it the best I could and make sure no one found out. Because I, you know, back then I figured, okay, it'll, it'll just go away. I'm in puberty or whatever, you know, maybe it's just something weird and it'll go away in a few years. But Obviously, that's not the case. <laughs> so what were those thoughts? I mean, again, you're a kid. I, I can't yeah, imagine um, how confusing that might have been. What went through your head? Yeah, well, it was just it was more like, I guess, confusion um, of like, you know, obviously at puberty, your body's starting to change. Everything that was kind of starting to change just didn't mesh up with what like my mind had thought. Because obviously, you know, when you're a young kid, on the outside, generally kids all look the same other than, you know, like their haircut um, before puberty. But obviously when that change started, you started actually seeing the differences between male and female. And that's kind of where my mind 
saw more of like a, hey, I'm getting further away from what my mind sees as who I am because it's starting to stand out more. Um, so it was just more of like that realization of, okay, that I'm, I'm just slowly moving further away from, yes, while I thought there were weird thoughts, I knew something was going on. And, you know, and that kind of helped me in a sense. Um, it kind of helped me hide it, you know, in these weird thoughts. And I started, you know, going through puberty. I thought, okay, well, my body's changing. Hopefully I'll just get my mind on a different track. Um, but yeah, no, it, it took me a while to figure out that nothing, nothing's ever going to change or make these things go away. You know, it just suppresses and hides them. And for some people, it, it can become too much. Once you figured it out, or you thought you had it figured it out, mm-hmm. who was the first person you talked to about it? Ooh, um, oh, so I remember telling this girl in high school, and I wasn't really friends with her much. Um, it was kind of like a new friendship. And, and I, I felt like I did that because I didn't want to tell someone who I, I, I at the time felt I was close with. And then, I, you know, I was more worried about losing that friendship or relationship. So I remember um, when I first told someone, um, she was actually, she was great at, at first. You know, I thought it was going to be okay. Um, that was about the time kids started getting Facebook and stuff. Um, and, and at that time I, I had come out as gay before coming out as trans. Um, obviously I figured more out about myself then, but I always figured it was easier to kind of step into it. Cause obviously I figured I didn't want to go from zero to a hundred, you know, I thought, okay, let's, let's kind of ease people into this. I figured that was a way to do it. Um, obviously it wasn't the case, but I, I always remember when I told her, Obviously, coming out as, as gay then was a little different. Um, but I always remember there was, there was a Facebook post not long after about the fact that I came out. And again, it wasn't anything bad. You know, it wasn't anything like bad was said about me, but it was the fact that no one knew these things. And then all of a sudden it's on Facebook and I'm getting texts. And then my sister found out that way. And, you know, it, it just it, it didn't start me off on a, on a good foot, I would say. You know, that was like 18 then. And I shoved it down and, and hit it some more after that. So so at what point did you have this this serious discussion with your parents? You talk about your sister seeing it on Facebook, but you really mm-hmm. have to open up and say, look, this is this is me. Do you re- do you um, recall that first conversation? Do you recall the lead up to that first conversation? To be honest, I, I can't and, and I remember it was it was strictly with my mom. Um, and, and this, this was again, like when I first kind of started opening up about just my sexuality or, you know, whatever it may have been. Um, but I think it was like 18. Uh, I can't remember how it came up, but it was, it was strictly with my mom. Like my dad and I, you know, I was the only male in the house and, and, and we just, like I said, we weren't a household to talk about these things. So it was difficult as enough, like for me to talk to my mom about it. Um, and she was, she's always been welcoming and great, but you know, for as hard as it was for me to tell her. Um, I, I think I told her and, you know, I, I joke that she almost went too into it at first, you know, I remember one day opening up and there were like books that showed up as the door. And, you know, I, I freaked out at the time because I, that was kind of my realization of like, oh, I, I can't hide this. Like, yes, it in a way it was a good thing. You know, my mom was accepting, but because of that, I was like, oh, now, now I may have to tell everyone else, not just my mom and a couple other people. So yeah, I think it was like a couple weeks later, I, I, you know, I joked and, oh, it was a phase and I took it back. And 
you know, a few more years went on until Canada repeated that process again. But yeah, it was 18. So I can't imagine how difficult that must have been. And you think about how old are you now? Uh, 29. I had to think okay. about that. So, yeah, well, <laughs> I, I have to, too, but for the wrong reasons. <laughs> I think back to 11 years ago and the conversation hasn't hadn't even progressed to where it is today. I, I do think that the mm -hmm. world's a little bit more understanding, not enough, not even close to where we should be. So again, I, I say that um, my heart goes out to you because I can't imagine what it was like having that kind of conversation and realization, actually. So so you tell you tell your family and your mom's great. She's giving you books. She's she's doing all these things. You're uncomfortable. But then you have to make the decision about transitioning. Mm -hmm. about um, adding the hormones and then the testosterone blockers because you'd already gone through puberty. At what point did that happen? Yeah. So like, uh, like I said, I, at that time kind of had more of an inkling. Um, I was trans at like 18, um, 18, 19. I can't, it was right around there. Um, and I remember at the time, like I said, because it didn't go too well, um, I remember my parents somehow came up that they were moving to Florida. I grew up in the DC area. Um, and, and I kind of saw that as like, okay, here might be my chance. I can move away. I don't know anyone there. Let's go and let's just start as me. Maybe that will be my way that I can come out, you know, like fully come out, transition kind of thing. Um, I moved down there and, you know, to Jupiter and I started meeting some people in golf. So for me, not growing up around all those people, I thought it was the coolest thing. I, you know, again, I didn't want to jeopardize it. I thought, okay, maybe this is one my, my one last try to get it to go away. So I think I was like 22. Yeah, it was right after. Yeah, about 22 at the time. Um, but, you know, and, and I started to play better golf. I remember I turned pro and I played, again, one or two tournaments because I, I really wasn't there. I, I remember I always used to get yelled at by the guy I was getting lessons from, you know, why aren't you out playing? And I would always make, you know, kind of excuses or say it was financial, which it, it was. But, you know, he would always say, you always play until your last dollar, whatever it may be. But because I, I didn't want to play as a male, you know, I, it wasn't who I was. I, even though golf was my life, I, I didn't strive for that. Um, and, you know, again, I, I played a couple times and and as I didn't see my, my love grow as I saw it kind of diminish um, and my anger got worse. And, and I remember I got into to almost like a suicidal state for oh, probably a year, year and a half. And, and I was, I can't remember what, clicked but i remember losing in a playoff for to get to sectionals at us open qualifying in 2015 and instead of being mad like i normally would have it was almost like that was my realization like okay this is the best i had done at a tournament at this at this point you know i hadn't lost it like i normally would but instead of getting frustrated because i i you know i was happy with the way i played but because i lost in a playoff i was like you know what this is my time. I, I need to figure myself out because if this is a, a one-off good note for me, and it, again, it was a hundred percent mentality wise, um, you know, if this is the best I'm going to feel mentally, which lasted for a couple holes, you know, and then I, I went home, got the realization again of, you know, and gotten my depressive state. So when you start to realize if that, if that's the highest I'm ever going to be, that's pretty miserable. Um, because I didn't want to do like kind of like a public like, hey, I'm coming out because I didn't know what everyone as a whole would say. 
Um, and, and again, I didn't have many friends in the first place, so I was kind of scared to, to lose what I had. And this was all before you transitioned, right? Yeah, this was, well, this was all, I would say, within kind of the year leading up. So I was right around 23. And this is kind of like what got me to be like, okay, I, I need to do this because if I don't, you know, you start to see even the conversations I would have with people, you know, as much as I was miserable, like out in public and stuff, you know, anytime I would, I would just get to talk as myself or whatever, people would even say they could, you know, even by text, they could say, you know, oh, we can see the difference in how you're acting. You're just happier this way. And, and it took like, again, years of on and off, but it got to the stage where I, I think I was, I was honest, I was like drunk in my living room one day and my mom came back from, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of it, PFLAG um, for parents, like a support group. Um, and I think they had a trans speaker one day and, and we didn't know much about the subject. I know I'd never spoke about it with my parents. And it was like right when the, the Caitlyn Jenner show or something like that was on. And I was watching it again. I was drunk. My mom came home and she just kind of looked jokingly just like, oh, is, is that who you are? And, and drunk me, not obviously thinking at the time, answered honestly. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously woke up the next morning was kind of like, the truth oh. truth serum. Yeah. Oh, I know. Right. <laughs> so I woke up the next morning kind of like, oh, what did I do? The conversation started again. And at that point I was like, you know what? I, I, I've come this far why try to retract it from a for a fifth hundredth time you know so it it, it took some liquid courage but you know and it's funny because i don't really drink much now but wine was a huge helper that day <laughs> i can only imagine i'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you needed a lot of help uh, when yeah you, it's a big discussion now um mm -hmm. the athletes are coming out and i want to get to the leah thomas situation at penn Yes. And your feelings on on various celebrities who are speaking out about athletes like yourself. But I want to focus on you, first of all, because I think that education is important in anything. And in the transgender debate, the transgender athlete debate, there seems to be a lack of education. There's also a lack of studies. I mean, they're doing studies now, but we're not going to get the results of those in-depth studies for five, 10, 15 years, maybe hopefully sooner. Mm -hmm. But for you personally, let's focus on you before you transitioned. What was your swing speed with a driver? Um, I think the highest it had gotten, like if I was really going after, I think was right between like one fifteen and one eighteen. Again, I know it's a wide range, but I think it was, it was right somewhere in there. Like my stock kind of speed, I would say it was, closer to the 115 range so definitely up there not the longest but definitely up there you know way way higher than it is now but yeah higher than the pga tour average by the way i mean so you must have been oh. long before you transitioned as a, as a male you must have been one of the longer players in your age category correct yeah um I, well when i was at the die i would play every now and then with you know uh, i got to play with daniel berger and them and they weren't that I mean, it was very incremental. So like they they were not much past me at all. So that was yeah, definitely up there, which I miss. Okay, I, I have no doubt. I would <laughs> I would miss that too. So I think that this is an important part of the discussion, especially as it pertains to this sport. Mm -hmm. So after you transitioned, where were you swing speed after a year of transitioning? So to be honest, I don't really have many numbers for the first two years. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, just because when I first came out, I lost my job and things. So I, I had to kind of like, I thought I was having to fully quit. Okay, um, so let me so, let me ask you this. Yeah. I'm sorry. At what oh, no, at good. what point did did you realize that you were losing some distance? How long did that take? Um, so I would say, so like I said, I'd take two years off. But I will say, when I got back, um, what I initially thought was rust, like okay, maybe I'm just getting back. You know, it's been two years. I started to learn that that was not rust, and it was like I say, I. I was very lucky. I, I played for hormone or played on hormones for about a year. Well, no, about six months before I had to quit. Um, and even in that six months, uh, I saw it, you know, it would be very incremental just because I was playing so often. But uh, the other people I was playing with would slowly see it. So, you know, over that six months, I would go from 10 yards past them to, to maybe five yards shorter than them. So, you know, it was quite a lot in the beginning, mainly with like my driver and stuff. Um, it was, it was those breakaway speeds I didn't have anymore. Not like, you know, my standard stock speed. It was, I didn't have the, you know, the extra three miles an hour anymore. If I wanted to really go after one, that was maybe an extra one, you know, so they kind of started there. And then as time went on, it really broke down like club by club and, and you know, what may have it there, but yeah, it definitely, it took a couple of years in my, well, at least for me things to really get to where it was okay this is a, a frustrating change you know it's a big enough change where everyone can notice kind of thing so you're now see if my math is correct you're six or seven years into the transition seven. in terms seven yep. in terms of the hormones mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. are you now swing speed uh swing speed if i happy gilmore at about <laughs> 101 so and that's i was when i got fit two weeks ago i was actually as much as it was like kind of great to see the hormones and stuff work, it was kind of debilitating. You know, I was out there feeling like I was putting in the same, if not more effort than I was like, what, seven, eight years ago. Um, but honestly, when I would look down at those numbers and just like, I, I would almost feel exhausted from a swing and I would see like 101, you know, and it was like barely creeping into 101. And I, you know, even at the beginning of me taking hormones, I never thought I would lose this much distance. I thought half of this, you know, not, 15 miles an hour almost I thought okay seven or eight you know makes sense and I'll still you know I'll probably still be longer but no I I never thought it was going to be like this so 15 miles an hour I can only imagine so, so it's what three yards per mile per hour so yeah, you're like talking the, yeah, yeah you're but, talking about a major difference in terms of length and and most importantly yeah. At 101, you're not even sniffing the fastest on the LPGA Tour. I believe that that belongs to Maria Fossi at 108. Patty Tavitanicat, she's exceptionally mm -hmm. long, 105, 106. So you're well back of the top yep. players on the LPGA Tour. Now, you you are longer than average, um, mm -hmm. but nowhere near. You would be outdriven um, pretty significantly <laughs> by those two players. I know that that's, I know that's probably hard to hear, but I say that to make this case. Yeah. I don't know how anybody could say that you have an advantage. I mean, yes, you went through puberty. Yes. I'm sure that you're, you're taller, your bone structure is bigger, bigger, but being a male doesn't make you a better putter. doesn't make you a better chipper. And by being male at birth, I mean, mm -hmm. um, you don't have the physical attributes that you have before you transitioned when people say to you, when they challenge you, and I'm not sure if this has happened, if it's happened, for you specifically, have there been any challenges? 
not 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 big picture but yeah. but the but the question of why okay you don't want me to play why yeah um it, it, so it's funny oddly enough i actually i got involved in one of these a couple of days ago and probably shouldn't have but you know it was the lpga posted their pride thing and obviously there were, there were some comments i didn't like so Figured, why not? You know, I was in one of those moods, I guess. Um, but it's interesting because, um, and I found this very quick, you know, when people, they obviously try to make their case and, you know, they go their typical, like their t big talking points, you know, distance and and muscle or, or shoulders, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but it, I found it very interesting when I bring like the actual facts into it, you know, and like you just said, the driving distance and swing speed you really you really tell who is there to be educated and and just was maybe misinformed or the people who really couldn't care less um and, and from what i've learned that's the percentage is a lot higher than i thought um because the it's interesting that it was one guy and, and like i said i'm i'm very open uh, i was even that way with the lpj you know i'll give them all my medical records i've got nothing to hide um and, and i'm some way open about that and this guy you know okay, you know, when he started talking about blood work at one point after I rebutted everything else. So what about your blood work? Okay. Went over hormone levels just briefly, you know, and their next thing at that point, they just go to, uh, oh, what about your chromosomes? And it's like, you know, at this point, they're just, they're just, but why does it matter? There is no rebuttal. But why does it matter? Yeah, exactly. If you're swinging at 101, nothing else matters. I could test your blood exactly. all day long. It didn't, it yeah. wouldn't matter if it was, if it was off. The result is mm -hmm. you're 15 miles an hour slower. Yep, exactly. But that's unfortunately nowadays, once you kind of rebut the actual facts, that's when you see how people really think, because then you go, well, it's not about protecting women's sports center. It's not about like me maybe having an advantage. It's just you don't like trans people that I mean, a lot of times, and it's very sad that that's what's come down to. It's really it's not the fact that people seem to have an issue with like an advantage or things like that. It's It's come down to almost like a fear of trans people in general. And that's in the past couple months, that's what I'm starting to learn as I've started to, you know, educate people more. And, I, you know, you do get lucky where you get people who are, oh, oh, I'm sorry. You know, that was great. You know, thank you for informing me. I have a different opinion. Yes, you do get those. But it's like I said, it's it's we're talking like 90 percent that I generally it gets to the point where the facts have gone out the window. They even say, OK, well, it doesn't matter at that point. You still shouldn't be there. But there is no reasoning. It's just the fact that I exist. It's they don't want me there in general. They think it's political, sports shouldn't be, you know, all those typical arguments that is, are used for everything. So there's no real argument. It's just a, it's a hatred of trans people is what it comes down to for, for a large majority. Not all, but a large majority. I always say that, that fear drives this, and it's fear of the mm -hmm. unknown, being uneducated, yeah. not, not realizing. You know, there is still a stigma, and I don't know how we get rid of it, uh, but I can tell you that people like you speaking out, is a really great first step. Leah Thomas at Penn, mm -hmm. um, when that story first broke and it was before the NCAAs, I thought about you because we had already connected. In fact, when we had our first conversation, I, I told you that I thought that her situation hurt somebody like you, but then NCAAs mm -hmm. happened and what she won the 500 free, but she didn't, she didn't win any other, she didn't break any records. What's your take on the Leah Thomas situation and, and the impact possibly that it's had on you and all transgender athletes? So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm one, the, 
the way I, I first and foremost see it as, you know, there were rules set, um, you know, she, she met the rules, you know, as I think there's a lot on right now of like going at, at Leah personally for a lot of people rather than like realizing that, you know, she is an athlete. She just followed the rules. You know, it's not like she was, you know, trying to go after something, um, you know, and, and a big point for me is the fact that, you know, she didn't break any records, records that were again, set by, you know, other female counterparts who were born female, went through female puberty. So for me, I just, I see those kind of things right there and I just go, okay, well, what advantage, you know, yes, other people had a rate, like maybe not a great race, but I feel like there's so many times that it's used as a scapegoat now. Um, you know, like I, I, I think I would feel more uncomfortable about it if she would have gone out there and, and broken a bunch of records, you know, cause then in my opinion, it would have been like, okay, that's, that's a blaring thing. Or, you know, say if I were to go out to a golf course and actually be hitting it 300 and, you know, then I, then I would, you know, I'm a reasonable thinker. I like to believe. And I would, at that point I would probably go, okay, maybe, you know, there, there is a difference here. If that makes any sense. Oh yeah. And I, it's, it's always interesting and mind blowing when I read comments, I try not to read comments <laughs> and I certainly try not to take comments seriously from people who I don't know or don't respect. Um, but it's not like transgender athletes are taking over the world. No. 0.05% of the population as a whole identifies as transgender. Can you imagine mm -hmm. how many of those are elite athletes? What is that? 0. 0.0002? Yeah. I mean, the number, <laughs> the you number know? is so small. I mean, I know two transgender athletes. You're both female golfers and mm -hmm. you're not winning titles. Nope. The other one I met a few years ago down in Australia, same thing. She's not the longest hitter. She's not winning down there. And you're the same, although I do hope that that changes. I am pulling for you. Uh, I can only imagine what people would say the first time that that happens. Well, you did win and you faced some of that. What, Which leads me to my next question, because every time we have a conversation, you're upbeat, you're positive, you're pleasant, you're forward thinking. How do you do it? How do you deal with the hatred, um, the misinformation, the just the awful things that human beings say about each other um it it took me some time um like i said i think because i was such a an angry person it was very difficult at first i remember you know like when the first couple like when i first won the first couple articles came out i was big on searching for things and you know it took me seeing a few things that were very repetitive and a few things were said to me that maybe not have been that great. And, and again, it's not like I, I let it get to me, but it was kind of like a, a quick eye opener. Um, and I think I've almost been like desensitized to it in a way. Again, it, it sucks it, and I probably shouldn't have to, to be that way. But, you know, I've also taken it as the amount of people who like I've say played golf with and, you know, I'll play the first four holes. They won't know I'm trans and and after like I play and meet with them and have an actual conversation, um, a lot a lot of people's like opinions change because they're not just basing off of like one generic fact, which is the first thing they know. They're actually getting to know the person first. Um, and I try to see a lot of comments that way, you know, like generally anything that's negative about me. And, and like I said, generally if people are coming with hate, they, they have their hate regardless. So, you know, if someone wants to come in that way, unfortunately, I've had to think of it as, you know, 
this person is going to think that regardless. You know, there are the few that you can help and whatever, but, you know, some people are just out there because they're in a worse place themselves. And, you know, I, I try to laugh it off at times. Um, I, I'm not really sure how I do it. Um, I think laughter has been like my coping mechanism through different things in my life. Um, and I think it's because of like the dark spaces I've been in. You start to realize, you know, like I've, I feel like I've put more on myself mentally than anyone else can try to like throw at me. You know, I've, there's people who can say hateful things about me, but I mean, I can put out a lot worse things about myself. You know, I'll beat you to the punch if you want. So, you know, I, I, I guess I'm just kind of lucky with my personality in that way. I, I don't, not really sure I would have like a, a direct answer. I'm just, I, I've been very lucky that I've, I've been able to, to brush things off. Not that they don't get to me because it, it's still a bit much at times, but I've, I don't know. I feel like if I don't laugh things off, things are just going to get worse. So why make something worse than, you know, when 90% of the people you see online, you're never going to meet in person. It is, it is very admirable. And I have no idea how you do it and still keep a smile on your face. I think the most difficult part of this equation for me is with this whole evolution of social media, it's given everybody a voice and everybody has an opinion and everybody says things. What do you do to counteract that? Because I'm already thinking right now, what do I do when I post this? Because yeah. I'm a defender of people and it's really mm -hmm. going to bother me maybe in a way that it wouldn't bother you if somebody says something about you and they will. Do I turn off comments? What What do you suggest? No, you, uh, you know, the, the way I see it is if people want to say something, let them say something. I mean, it's not, it's not going to change how I play, how I go about things. You know, if, if someone wants to shout from a rooftop, a bunch of obscenity, like, go ahead. I, I always joke with people and, and I don't know if it comes from like my golf background, but you know, like when someone talks in my swing or something, um, I always kind of joke that, you know, unless you throw something at me, like it, it doesn't bother me, you know, but I, I think that's just kind of like a golf thing. So, um, I think I, I've learned to turn off the noise. I personally, I don't think there's, you know, yes, yes, you can like turn those off and, and maybe, I don't know. I feel like it almost bottles up people's anger. You know, I know that's why I've like, I've kept my comments on as much as I want to, you know, then I feel like I get more DMs. So as much as in my opinion, I rather someone say something publicly. I've got a public record of it. If you were to go be crazy and have your job, see it like great, then just society knows more about you. Like, I don't know. It's, in my opinion, it's more a reflection on the person than myself. You know, let them say what they want. You know, I'm not going to let it deter who I am. Um, I'm just going to let it show who their true colors are. And, you know, the karma will come back on them one day. So no, there's. The problem is, though, you may be able to brush it off. I'm going to be up until 3 a.m. because it will yeah. drive me crazy. That yeah. That's the issue. But I'll yeah. go with your suggestion. I'll go yeah. with your advice. What do you think's next in terms of these debates that we're having? How do we get to where everything is talked about to where it's fair, whether it's a year of hormone replacement yeah. therapy, two years, three years? What do you think it is or do we do it sport by sport? I honestly, I think for now, um, it does need to be like on a more of a sport by sport basis only because again, like as a golfer and I'm, I'm sure there's quite a few other sports that are this way, you know, the fact that me being tall or whatever, you know, it doesn't really have an impact compared to, I don't know, say like wrestling or something. Uh, again, I don't know much about it, but that's just 
something off the top of my head, you know, or say maybe your size or, or something like actually matters. So I think, you know, it, it's almost like you put a Ferrari in a race with a Prius and then you're trying to judge them the same way. Again, that's awful analogy, but you know what I mean? Like you can't judge someone and what they should go through in their transition to be eligible the same way as you judge someone who's like, you know, a hundred pounds and petite, you know, because their bodies are just going to, you know, one year for the smaller person is going to do a heck of a sight different than one year for a larger person. You know, like I say, my experiences and things with my swing, that's my experience. You know, there could be a kid out there who all of that happens in six months. You know, again, it's just all of our bodies are different. And I think we're just trying to create too much of a generic rule um, for something that's not generic. You know, everyone's individual. Um, and I think it's just going to take more time and education. But I think the big thing is is actually like speak and listen to trans people. Um, you know, it, it's I find it interesting all of what's going on right now. Um, no one's actually getting the opinions of trans athletes. You know, there's all these rules and NCAA and whatever, but never once have I actually heard a trans athlete speak on what they've actually gone through, how it's affected their body, what they've actually seen themselves. It's based on people who come in with a preconceived notion, who don't know anything about the trans community in general, you know, and I know that goes for, for anything. You always hate if an outsider is then trying to make the rules for you because they don't actually know what's, you know, things are always different in the outside than they are on the inside. And I think we just need to actually take the time to speak to the athletes themselves and maybe get their opinions because, you know, as much as I, you know, I want to be like loving and equal, I think there are probably more of us, you know, I, I know a lot of people have like the preconceived notion for me that because I'm trans, I just want people to be able to play and norm, you know, know this and know that, and they should just be able to say I'm trans and get to do no, because we're actual athletes and we know how sports actually work. Um, so I, I think there needs to be a little more of that than just, you know, every now and then the only athletes we ever hear from are maybe an ally or maybe someone that has a differing opinion. You know, it's, it's people who, for lack of a better term, don't really matter in the situation. Yes, are the athletes competing against us and, and those individuals do matter. Um, but a lot of times the people who are saying things about this are like retired, you know, they aren't actually like playing, competing still themselves. So why should they get to have a voiceover something that one, they're not even in touch with in general, but two, it just, I don't know. It doesn't make much sense to me right now. There's, there just needs to be a little more listening and a little less like shouting and and yelling and, you know, a little more open ears, open minds. I think that that's very good advice. Uh, Just one more question. And it's because I, I know the sport so well. Golf is any athlete, but I think for golf, mental health awareness is really um, a big topic right now. It's a big topic in the world. Everybody has been affected after COVID-19 and in some way or another. It's existed well before then, but mm-hmm. it seems to be talked about more and, and people are more open. As a golfer, you obviously have to deal with the pressures of playing competitively. You're on your own. It's not like you have a team. And then you have to have the pressures of being a transgender athlete. How is your mental health? Yeah, um, I know I, what's on the outside is, is definitely not <laughs> what's on the inside for me. Um, and, and I think that's like partially why. Um, you know, obviously, I kind of show what's going on inside. And, and I think that's where a lot of like the hate and the comments and the, the fake articles that are written. I think that's where a lot more of that comes in. Um, 
but and I don't know if that's why I've tried to push like more of a positive like exterior because I maybe think okay if I can joke and laugh it off maybe it'll help me you know internally um you know and obviously I want I want all the other like little you know just like any other especially all like right now all the trans kids who are probably being told by their state that they're not able to compete at all you know the last thing I want them to see is is someone who was actually given the opportunity to play um I, I don't want this them to see that like any of the negatives I'm going through because those things aren't related to like I would say as much as me being an athlete or just me being trans you know that's that's other stuff I deal with and I just want to make sure I can separate those for those kids because I you know I want to make sure anything I'm shown or anyone that looks at me from the outside sees a positive role model um, for the trans community and someone that they can go okay you know th that's just a regular person so I, I want to do anything I can to maybe show a little more strength than I have um, because in the long run, you know, while it may not be the best for me, um, you know, it, it's only going to help out a lot of other kids. And, you know, I know that sucks at times and there's times where, um, you know, I, I know my parents have kind of brought up that I put a little too much on myself, but I, I guess kind of with how my depression works, that's kind of like how I deal with things. You know, if I can't figure myself out in, in the ways I get down and you know, just because of just honestly everything, it's kind of difficult because I, you know, obviously I don't have anyone to, to talk to or go off of their experiences because I'm, I'm kind of the first going through a lot of this. Um, you know, I, I don't know, it, it gets a little tough at times. Um, but at the same time, you just, I kind of learned to, to push forward and, and try to just remind myself that, you know, the, I would say the hard bit of my life is done because I'm not like, suicidal or, or things like that anymore so I, I try to just remind myself of the dark places I have been in not to think okay let's dwell on life but you know anytime things do get bad to just be like you know what it, I'm in a better place than I was and, and just try to keep any reminder of that with how bad it gets just try to remember you know if if this were seven years ago I, I might not even be here you know so just try to take the silver lining and everything and as much as it's difficult and, and it's hard and Someone's got to do it. I, I'd rather it be me than someone who can't handle these things because, well, I mean, to your point earlier, not a lot of people are as lucky as me just to have, like, one supportive parent. Yes, I may not have, like, a massive group of friends or whatever it may be, but, you know, I, I have a home. I have a roof above me right now. You know, that's, that's so much more than so many people don't have. So everyone deals with things. I think we just need to be a little more compassionate with others, um, even when they don't, everything else they're doing doesn't match up with everything you think or you see will be a, you know a little more open-minded with like the world in general i think the everything that you said there was incredible perspective what gave me pause is when you said suicidal anymore and for anybody who's watching this who may not think that you should play golf that's one that's one story but not supporting you as a human being is a completely different story you are a role model yeah. Um, I wish that I wish that more people could listen to you and, and I think to these young kids if states are denying them going through these these hormone replacement therapies if they do go through that as a young kid before they get to puberty they don't have to deal with what you've had to deal with and that's the yep. part that breaks my heart that's the part that's a lack lack of education that's the part where people just don't want to look at what's right for the person they want to bring politics into play but no matter, you have, you have done your part 
to make this world a better place. And I'm sure you do feel the weight of a community on your shoulders. And Haley Davidson, I think that you can handle it. I'm really pleased, Please. really pleased to know you. I am pulling for you. I'm an advocate for you and for transgender athletes. And please, I want you to come back here. I want you to keep sharing your story. And I want to help get that out there as much as possible because people need to hear from you. You're not bitter. You're not angry. You just have great perspective. And keep educating the world and keep doing your thing. Appreciate it, Lisa. And again, thank you for the time, platform, and I'll look forward to seeing you soon in person. <laughs>